everybody. That was the cast of Gotta Bands from Virginia. I'm real excited for them. They have their show in March, so I'm wishing them well and a lot of broken legs. Um, today's podcast is very interesting and really fun. It's with Jennifer Tupper, who is the uh, planning coordinator, I guess, event coordinator at 54 Below, and she will be joining us and telling us all things uh, 54 Below and her life and her career and where she started, and there's a lot of things that you'll see in this podcast that I did not know, so it was a big surprise for me and a really fun interview to do. So without further ado, let me introduce Jennifer Tepper. All right. Hi, everybody. I am on the phone with the fantastic Jennifer Tupper, who called in today to be with us. So I'm super excited. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. on the phone with you. I know. Well, you know, we've exchanged emails over the past couple of years. And I feel like every time I'm at 54 Below or every time I'm in the city, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm being famous somewhere else. So I never officially got to meet you in any of those places. So it's we fun to... We've been like ships in the night. I we know, have. been like a farce. <laughs> we have. So, I mean, this is as close as our night is going to get. So there we are. Awesome. <laughs> so, Jennifer, tell me a little bit about what you do in this lovely industry. Sure. So, I am the director of programming at Feinstein's 54 Below, which is a Broadway concert venue um, where I program 16 shows a week, musicals and concert. Broadway stars doing solo concerts, half the Broadway shows performing together, everything in between, emerging writers. Um, it's a really exciting place to be. I also work as a theater historian, and I've written some books called The Untold Stories of Broadway, Volumes 1 and 2, number 3 coming out this year, uh, that chronicle the Broadway theater's stories um, through people's personal memories who've worked in them. So um, people of all different theatrical professions. Um, I've interviewed about 250 people. Um, and I also do a lot of work on new musicals. I work a lot with a musical theater writer named Joy Connors on a lot of his shows and concerts. Um, and I do a lot of, I wear a lot of hats, I would say. <laughs> Okay. Wow. I did not know that you did all of that. That's so cool. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I always be juggling. <laughs> I see. Clearly. So how long did it take you to write those books? That's so fascinating. I, so I, um... I started this concert series in 2010. Like, one of my biggest passions is underappreciated musicals. And in 2010, I started this concert series called If It Only Even Runs a Minute, where we um, bring in original cast members to sing songs that they originated and writers to sing songs from shows that they did um, and new people to, you know, sing songs they might be asking to sing today. And we tell stories and we have photos and we do all of that. So I had been kind of writing that and producing that for a number of years when um, a couple of publishers who actually are Broadway producers who were starting a publishing company came to see one of those concerts in 2013, I want to say, maybe. Um, and they asked me if I would be interested in pitching a book to their publishing company. And so I did. And the next year, the book came out. So I really, I wrote the first book in like about less than a year, oh um, which was wild because it involved the majority of the interviews. So in like one calendar year, I definitely did about 200 interviews and wrote the thing, which was wild because it just was insane and wonderful and busy um and so you know I wrote the first book in under a year and then the second book came out the next year so I had kind of been compiling stories on the second book while I was writing the first book um so that they're kind of like a group project but it, it was definitely a quick turnaround and really fun and exciting that's awesome now did you have to travel for these interviews or did you get a did you get to stay central um, you 
know, I didn't need too much. I mean, the great thing about it was that I did travel within New York where, you know, I would do a Saturday where I had five interviews in one day and space went out by two hours and one would be in a Broadway dressing room and one would be in someone's apartment on the Lower East Side and one would be at someone's favorite bar on the Upper West Side. So I did a lot of traveling, like, within the city, which actually was so cool and kind of gave me a sense of, like, where everyone, like, was you know, personally, because, like, I interviewed William Ivy Long in his costume shop and, like, Danny Burstein in Riverside Park, and, like, it just added, like, a flavor to the interviews. I didn't travel too much outside the city. A lot of the outside-the-city interviews were by phone. Um, I'm trying to think of... I, I did a couple outside the city, but not too many, um, but it was definitely a, an adventure in the city. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I know this is such a hard question, but I'm I'm feeling very Barbara Walters today, so I'm going to ask it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your favorite person to interview that had the most knowledge? You know, what's so funny about this is whenever I'm asked this, I always say Hal Prince, which is so true. I mean, it was my favorite interview. It blew me away. So much knowledge, just interviewing a hero. Um, but, you know, honestly, there's so many that were so special that it feels silly to say him every time. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, what's funny about it is that... Um, you know, part of the book is that, you know, you go through the theaters year by year. So the goal is always to get the, you know, stories from as far back as possible to really give you a sense of the history. Um, so a lot of my goal with the third book, which I'm working on now, is to interview people that are, you know, older, especially, you know, older than 75 and have worked in the theater for a long time and get those stories about the 1940s and the 1950s. So in the past couple of months, I've gotten to interview some older people that have been incredible. Um, one was George S. Irving, who is uh, one of two last um, surviving original cast members of Oklahoma, who yeah. actually was drafted into the Army for World War II like a week after opening. And his stories were just, I mean, it's like another time. It was so fascinating to talk to him, and he had a great memory, and he's done dozens of Broadway shows. So that one was really special very, very recently and, and kind of gave me a lot of knowledge I didn't even think I would ever be able to hear firsthand because he's been there for so much. Wow. Now, what does your family think about what you do? Because I, you know, coming from a non-theater family, they don't, (laughs) I talk about certain people and they're like, yeah, that's great. They have no idea who I'm talking about. (laughs) What is your family like? Yeah, is your family into seeing it or are they like learning about it now? You know, they can appreciate it, which is great. My dad loves, he's a construction project manager. So he goes to see shows and he's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, that set. Like he saw Newsies and he was like blown away by the set. And my mom is Uh musical, so she can, you know, she sort of, she understands theater and she likes theater. Um, I just, I don't know that she, I don't know that they appreciate the inner workings like I do. Like, oh my God, that music director was a boss or, you know, Carol Channing. So they know people (laughs) by name, but I don't know that they know the specifics. So it's just funny to like come home and tell them about the show and they're like, oh, that's great. Sounds cool. I'm like, no, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I actually, what's funny about my family is no one in my family had ever been in the theater. Um, Their parents are both in medicine and most of my family is a doctor or a pharmacist or, you know, my mom's an occupational therapist, things like that. But um, they all love the theater. Like my my parents both love the theater and took me to it at a young age. And I don't think they imagined they would raise a child in the theater. They just like, you know, loved growing up themselves, going to see chorus line on a special occasion and things like that. So, um, it was definitely started to be a part of my childhood, and then I loved it so much that then I became the teacher of the family and kind of would, you know, 
give everyone new recordings to listen to and teach them about stuff. Um, and my sister's actually in her third year of law school, and she's going to be an entertainment lawyer. So we're keeping that in the family, which is fun. And then now my mom lives in Manhattan, and she's like the most excited person at any show or 54 Below concert at any given time. We actually saw the second preview of Disaster last night, and my mother spent the entire show with me being like, oh, my God, I've got Absolutely. So you mentioned disaster and because I'm a huge fan and inspired by Seth Rodetsky without giving any spoilers away. What was that? Was it, I mean, are you excited for the, for everybody to see it and for them to open and it for it to really be out there finally? Yes, I had so much fun. Um, and, you know, I sadly didn't get to see it off-Broadway, so one of my favorite things is going into a show not really knowing, like, not knowing as much as I can not know. Like, I don't, if I can avoid it, I like to, like, not see B-roll, so I appreciate your no-spoiler thing, because, um, you know, I like to, like, not even look at production photos or know anything about it, so it was just so fun to see so many amazing performers who I love doing such crazy, you know, farcical antics all over the stage together awesome. it was just like very i'm trying to think of like i can't even compare it to anything it was just a blast like it was really fun and silly and um everyone was just like the comedic climbing is so great and ridiculous and seth it's so fun to watch seth up there and he's such a champion of so many other people so it kind of works really well to have him be the center of you know this huge romp where it's all these Broadway stars running around around him um I really loved it I thought it was so fun and the audience had a blast too um and I love that you know something like that that you know can be on Broadway even though it's like silly and it it has like an off-Broadway kind of campy fun feel um and I mean this as a compliment like I think it's so great that something like with the amount of different kinds of shows we have on Broadway right now that there's a place for disaster I, I kind of love that that's great it seems just so uh, you know, I haven't heard a lot of... I mean, I listen to Seth Rodesky all the time on the radio, but I haven't figured out what it is, so I'm so excited to go and see it, and I don't know music from it, I don't know anything about it, so I'm just excited to, like, take it all in for what it is, like you said, so I'm, I'm, that'll be fun. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. So you... Let's see. You do a lot of stuff at 54 Below which is so awesome. And I can't thank you enough for bringing a lot of these people back into the spotlight or giving them a time to shine. That's not on a stage in a gigantic house. I think one of the beauties of 54 below is that it's so intimate and so beautiful and you can have as many as a piano, bass, drums, guitar, or you can just have the artist and a piano, which I think is great. Now you guys just went through a little bit of rebranding with Michael Feinstein. What was that like? Yeah, so um, it's been really exciting to have that happen. Um, it was in the works for a while. Basically, Michael Feinstein used to have, obviously, a, a very popular club in New York, and uh, they closed a couple years ago, and ever since then, he was kind of seeing if it might make sense for him to have a new club or get involved with a new club, and when we started talking, it really seemed to make sense for him to make this his home, so to speak, um, which really, I mean, it hasn't been a big change at all. It really has been is that um, Michael plays here six years, six six years, well, six weeks a year now, um, which is really exciting, and his shows are great, and the audiences love him, um, and then, you know, the name change hopefully tells people that we're going to try to bring some of his brand into our brand as well, where, um, you know, it hasn't happened that much yet, but hopefully in this year it will, of, um, you know, having some people that he's shepherded and having 
some of his, you know, Broadway friends and celebrities we haven't had here yet um, join us. So, you know, we kind of have all that stuff in the works, but it was just kind of a way to join forces. Oh, that's so awesome. Now, being on the younger side of a historian, I'll say it that way, what is that like for <laughs> you? I feel like that's got to be such an incredible accomplishment for you. Yeah, um, thank you. I mean, the great thing about, like... I kind of, you know, I grew up really admiring a lot of people that I considered theater historians, like Ken Mandelbaum and Ethan Morden and Peter Felicia, and just like lots of people who were writing books that I loved. Um, and all of those people do different things that other than being a, you know, like you can be a historian, but it's not exactly your job. Like, you know, you might also be a professor, you might also be a journalist, you know, it's, it's kind of like just the title that you have when you chronicle theater history in that way. So that's kind of like, I tried to embrace that and say, you know, I really want to be a theater historian. I'm going to try to do things that I'm really interested in that kind of can lend themselves to, you know, achieving that title at some point. Um, so that was, you know, the books and the concert series I do and all of it. Um, and what's really great about that is that there's no like limit on it. There's no rules. So, you know, someone could say like, I want to be like a electricity historian and like forge their own path to like studying the ways different kinds of electricity work and like writing books about it or making studies about it. It's kind of just like a way to be a nerd for your whole life and like, you know, <laughs> proudly proclaim it to the world. So um, that's what's kind of really cool about it. It is funny to be like, you know, I'm 29, so 29-year-old historian is kind of funny, but, you know, I guess by the time I'm old, <laughs> I, I'll have even more knowledge or, you know, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, people will come to you, which I think will be really cool. Yeah, totally. So you've gotten to interview some incredible people and more to come, and you get to be surrounded by some amazing people uh, that come through the doors of 54 Below, do you still get starstruck? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Like, last week, and everyone who even goes near me on the internet knows this, last week we had Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley here, and I was just, like, over the moon at every show. And, like, as a fan, like, I love them. I'm friends with both of them. I think they're both, like, so terrific. I booked the show, but it's, like, I am such a fan in their presence because I grew up loving them so much and listening to them constantly on recordings. Um, I'm definitely, like, always a fan that's part of the job that's you know, great is that I can say like, I'm such a fan of this person who I just got to know yesterday and saw on a stage and want to have here or that I have loved for years and have like, you know, grown up, you know, really admiring their work. And I'm a fan of them and let's bring them here. It's kind of like being a professional fan is my job sometimes, which is very cool. And then you have to actually do the work to make it happen. Um, but it, it definitely, I got starstruck for sure. And like, even last night at Disaster, I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting to see like Carrie Butler and Kevin Chamberlain and Faith Prince and Adam Pascal. Like, I don't think that really has worn off. And in a way, I hope it never does um some of the people i admire the most in the industry are established you know professional people who've been around for decades who still are really excited and, and fans of people so i hope i get to keep some of that oh, that's so cool is this, so i have weird stories but i'm me i would love to know if you have a weird encounter with a, a celebrity for you that you couldn't contain yourself <laughs> and you didn't know what to do oh that's great um you know, what's funny to me is I think I have so many. Like, I have ridiculous amounts of that. I'm trying to, like, pick out something particularly ridiculous. But um, 
I do always get very like tongue tied around Bill Finn because I loved him so much growing up and still do. So I've had some funny times where I've kind of like run away from him and everyone's like, it's Bill Finn. He's like everyone's teacher. He's like a great, you know, I tend to run away from him. But um, I don't think of like a crazy encounter. I would have to like think on that. Because okay. <laughs> there have been, honestly, I probably could write like a, you know, coffee table book about how many of those I've had, and every week here it's like something silly happens. Um, but let me think about that one. <laughs> okay. In my next life, that's my like newest podcast series is just tell me all the crazy things that have happened in people's encounters with celebrities. Cause <laughs> I'm sure even the celebrities themselves can write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> now, who has been your most exciting encounter in the industry? Like, who do you? Who will you never forget? Obviously, you have a gigantic list, but there has to be that one person that left that handprint that encouraged you for what you do or appreciated what you do or, or you know, whatever that may be. Who would that be for you? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing is, like, I've been lucky to have so many, like, great mentors. Um, you know, one of the first was Michael Brass, who I was his assistant on Title of Show when I first graduated college. Um, and he definitely, as well as, you know, the whole Title of Show gang, like, I originally came on board with Hunter Bell and Jeff Bowen, the writers, who really took me under their wing and taught me, you know, everything of what it means to create something and care about it and make it happen and be yourself in the industry and, like, stay strong when people want to kind of change things and what decisions to make. And I mean, they taught me so much about humility and just like being a good person, just all of it within the craziness that is theater. Um, and then Michael Brass really, you know, taught me a lot about like what it means to work on a Broadway show. So they definitely were like my first real great mentors in that way. But I've been lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people who've taught me a lot. My bosses now are, you know, the owners of 54 Below are the four producers of Hairspray, the producers in Angels in America, who've been working together for decades and whose dream was to open a Broadway supper club. And their partnership is, like, very fascinating and strong, and they're all such good people. And they definitely teach me a lot about producing and about, you know, all of the other stuff, too, what it means to be a human being in this industry um, by working with them every day here. So, so that's been great. Um, but, you know, I'll also say, like, it's... I feel like I'm always learning. I feel like that's so true. Like I am still making mistakes and everyone is. And so it's nice to remember that like you can learn from people that are younger than you. You can learn from people that are older than you. I just try to like keep my ears open for, um, you know, things that I could do better on each thing that I work on. Absolutely. Oh, that's so great. So you worked on title of show. That's crazy. You just have a wealth of things that I never knew. It's crazy what yeah yeah that was my first like real professional credit now what was that like I you know I I've done the show and I got to play Larry which was awesome I said two words and played a lot of music which was awesome oh amazing um, um, Larry's actually working on disaster so it all comes full circle <laughs> that, that's hilarious I literally heard that a couple I think a couple days maybe yesterday I have no idea but that's so funny what because that was such yeah. an organic process what was that like well, so I was very much obsessed with the show when I was an NYU student. I sat at the vineyard and loved it. It was, like, beyond obsessed with it. And I directed and produced, like, a show at NYU that was kind of, like, a concept 
concert kind of thing for BCFA, and we really wanted to do a song from Title of Show in it. So I wrote to those guys like blindly. I wrote to a lot of people blindly, which you know I still do, um, and said, you know, we'd love to do a song from the show. And they said, you know, we love that you're interested in this. What you're doing sounds exciting, but we're not. We don't have the music published yet, so we really can't have people performing it. And I said, oh my god, thank you so much for getting back. You know, we totally understand. Would you like to come to our show anyway? And they came to our show and like met all of us and all of the NYU students in the show were like obsessed with the title of show so that was really exciting um and we just stayed in touch from there and honestly um I was interning at the Rogerson Hammerstein organization the summer after that and Jeff Bowen was working on some things for them um some graphic design stuff and we just kind of kept in touch through that as well and when they kind of found out that they might be going to Broadway and they wanted to make a web series saying that they were going to Broadway and kind of see what happened um they said you know we would need like an intern would you like to help us with this of course I was like of course um and then you know I just kind of stuck around and they were wonderful in keeping me around so it was pretty amazing it was pretty like I mean and also the whole time I think we were hoping it would go to Broadway and thinking it would go to Broadway, but it wasn't like a guarantee. It was kind of like a, let's see how this buzz builds when we make this YouTube show and see kind of what this climate is and if there's a theater available at the right time. And it was really exciting because also, um, you know, it happened at the producing office, which was Kevin McCollum and Jeffrey Seller and Robin Goodman's office, uh, where they were also working on In the Heights that year. So we had to kind of wait to come in the next season because In the Heights was coming in that season. So Lynn was around and everyone in, in the Heights was running around and it was super thrilling and educational. That's insane. Now, you mentioned some, I feel like everybody's favorite right now, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Have, you've met him, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I've known Lin for, for a long time. He's in my book, and he's always been, you know, oh, great guy. I've known him for a while. Now, he, I, from what I've heard, he's one of those people that what you see is what you get, and he's so hilarious so funny so kind so down to earth and so humble absolutely he's a great I mean he's all of those things and he's also just I I mean the amount of fame and the amount of craziness going on with Hamilton I can't imagine anyone handling it better really um I can't imagine what it would be like to go through something like that with everyone kind of wanting to talk to you all the time and he's so generous and humble and you know does so much for the community he's just really a standout dude that's so incredible. Now, out of everything that you've done and you've accomplished at this point in your life, what are you the most proud of? That's a great question. Um, you know what's funny is that it's so, like, I there's still so much that I want to do, um, and a lot of it has to do with, like, you know, making new musicals. So there's a series that I'm producing right now at 54 Below called New Musicals at 54, where we're doing 10 musicals in concert that are all really promising, worthy shows that have either had a lot of workshops or have had an out-of-town production but haven't produced in New York yet. Um, and we had one this week that was by Nick Lindmer and Kyle Jarrow called Fallout, and next week is one called String by Adam Guan and Sarah Hammond. Um, and it's just been an amazing chance to kind of work with each of the writers to kind of present their show to an audience that hopefully will be excited about it and hopefully we can get some people here that can help each show with next steps um and hopefully you know for forging new collaborations where actors are performing in these shows and singing the songs that haven't before and the writers are working on you know their material and fine-tuning it um and so 
it's just that's been really, really rewarding, and it was something I wanted to do here for a while. And I think that, you know, the thing I'm proudest of is really working with writers on, on new stuff um, like that, and hopefully, you know, my dream is to get to do more of it in the future. That's so awesome. So, oh my gosh, you are incredible, and I feel like we could have three hours on the phone, but I promise, <laughs> I promise. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for, for being nice and encouraging. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So... Speaking of encouraging, great segue. What would you say to encourage those that are in college wanting to be in the business so bad or graduating college and don't know what to do? What is your advice to them? You know, I think that my best advice is to just do whatever you want to be doing. I think that a lot of people wait because they think, oh, I want to be a playwright. I have to be given an opportunity to be a playwright. And you can write a play tomorrow and you can do it for 10 people in a basement and, you know, it's going to be great. And then you're going to get to do it again for 20 people and then for 100 people after that because you started out doing it for 10 people. And I think that's true of every single thing you want to do in the theater. Like, I meet people all the time who... Um, you know, are trying to get a job doing the thing they want to do. And the secret is you just do it. And then someone hires you to do it because you did it yourself. And they liked how you did that. Honestly, every job I've ever gotten has been from me saying, oh, I want to work in producing. I can't get a job in producing. Let me produce something myself or work in producing myself and then show people I'm doing that and then get hired. And it's just when people see you taking the initiative and see what you can kind of do on your own, it really gives them, you know, it makes them excited that you're someone who's like a go-getter. And so I think no matter what you want to do, if you're in college and you want to act like write your own thing and act in it or meet a writer who can write something for you and, and put it on in, you know, a rehearsal space. Like it's, it's so silly, but I feel like starting off at the lowest possible level is what everyone needs to do. And you kind of just have to like do it yourself sometimes. Absolutely. Now let's go even lower. What would you say to those in high school? Same thing, really, but also I, I think that, and I think that, like, people growing up now, from my experience, like, talking to, you know, younger people, like, know this more even than my generation, our generation did, but I think that, like, learning about theater is just as important as doing it also, you know, that's a big part of it, too, so, you know, you're not going to get to New York and want to be an actor and get anywhere without knowing any who any actors are or what any shows are or who any producers or writers are like knowing the players is important knowing the history is important if you're in high school like go see regional productions get cast recordings like check out all the movies um like movie musicals you can kind of like whatever access you have from the internet like just teach yourself about what theater is because it'll make you better at whatever you're trying to do and it'll also give you a knowledge base that i think will help a lot um, so I think that for high school, it's just like learn everything you can learn about the thing you want to do. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's funny. You know, what I think is so interesting is teaching some classes and you tell these to the kids and they're like, whatever, you don't know. And then they hear it from other people and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And I can't tell you how many people growing up have said that to me. And I was like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. And then you hear it like years later and you're like, God, <laughs> that's so good. It's well, so good. Yeah, definitely tell those students to knock it off and, and do some learning. <laughs> I will say exactly those words because I have them later on today. That's too <laughs> funny. Um, so will you play a little game with us? Sure. All right. Awesome. I'm just going to ask you some questions and you can tell me what you prefer, either or, and just to get to know you and the less business side of you. So here we go. You ready? Sure. All right. Tulips or roses? Tulips. Coke or Pepsi? 
Jeans or sweatpants? Wait, what was that one? Jeans or sweatpants? Uh, jeans. A skirt or a dress? A dress. Summer, winter, spring, or fall? Summer. What is your favorite month of the year? April. Favorite holiday? Ooh, I guess Christmas. Guilty pleasure junk food snack? Mm, <laughs> Guilty pleasure television show? It's so funny. Obviously, guilty pleasure food is easier to answer. I don't know if I believe in guilty pleasure television shows. Because I think <laughs> sometimes you just like things. I don't know, what would you, like, what's your guilty pleasure television show? Oh, The Bachelor, 250%. <laughs> no, it's so bad and so ridiculous, but I can't not watch it. That's funny. I don't know if I have one. I, I kind of, like, I seek out whatever TV I watch, so it tends to be something I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I have one. Okay. What is your favorite old school TV show? Oh, um... How old school are we talking? I mean, I love, like, Laverne and Shirley. That's pretty old school. Okay. Do you prefer Lucille Ball or Carol Burnett? Uh, I guess Lucille Ball, but I love them both. <laughs> that is one interview that at some point in my life I would love to score is Miss Carol Burnett. I think she's phenomenal. Yeah, good luck. I bet she's, you know, she's around. She's kicking. Oh, she fun. is. She's... She's like Betty White, but I, yeah, I, yeah, she's funny. I saw her last year in concert and she is fantastic. Um, oh gosh. I have another question that I forgot it. Shoot. Um. I love these questions. This is so fun. It's well, like, thank you. Know, being on the bus or something. <laughs> Do you, what is your, what is the, what is your favorite show currently on Broadway that everybody needs to go see? Oh, that's tricky. I don't know if I have one of those either. I was thinking that, someone asked me that this week, and I was like, there's so much going on right now that I love. Um, I mean, I've been recommending Fiddler to everyone just because I'm so blown away by it, but I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I love a lot of things I, I, pretty equally right now that are going on. I think everyone says Hamilton, and I'm just like, Fiddler too. <laughs> but, um, there's so much There's so much good stuff going on right now. It's really an amazing season. Well, there is, I, you know... I can't even, I wish that I had more time to see everything, but I've heard that Color Purple is phenomenal, Disaster, of course, oh, Fiddler, uh, Hamilton, I also don't have $1,000, so I won't be seeing Hamilton anytime soon. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just gotta buy, like, tickets when the next block goes on sale at the regular price. Like, that's what I did. I literally bought, like, the $80 tickets for September, like, four months ago. Oh, then I'll do that. Good gracious. <laughs> what is a I show can, you know, keep trying the lottery uh, I could do that too the ham for hams are brilliant I can't even tell you uh, Lynn is fantastic and the people that he gets and the things that they do are just so much fun I love it yeah they're so fun they're they're pretty amazing they're embracing the whole community and it's exactly what I thought or you know was trying to say about Lynn earlier it's amazing what he's doing well he's just so supportive too I mean if you can't see Hamilton go see Les Mis and here's somebody in the show that you'll absolutely love like I just think that that's so you know in the smaller community theater platforms it's so unheard of that there's such support and every theater is for themselves and 
I love that he really sets the example for everybody to get out of your own way and support each other. I think that that's really awesome. Totally. What have you not seen that you want to see so bad? You know, I mean, there's so much exciting stuff coming out. I just was, like, looking at it. What's funny about 54 Below is, you know, we have 16 different shows a week, and the least amount of shows I'm ever at in one week is, like, three, um, which, you know, is still kind of a lot. So I organized my schedule pretty far in advance, and I was, like, organizing my schedule for the end of March going, like, oh, my God, it's I'm going to, you know, the first preview of American Psycho, the first preview of Waitress, and the first preview of Dear Evan Hansen, and they're three nights in a row. I was just, oh like, there's gosh. so much happening that, like, I'm so excited to, to see this spring. There's so, so much. Um, I also, like, I'm really excited to see smart people at second stage this month yep. um, and Robert Bridegroom at Roundabout. Um, there's so much good stuff off Broadway, too, this season. It's just, like, an amazing season. So I think that, like, the next couple months are going to be wild. That's awesome. And what cast recording is currently playing in your head all the time that everybody needs? Oh, that's a great one. Um, you know, huh, I've been listening to Fortress of Solitude a lot, which um, I go to Adam Chandler Bratt was in our new musical show this week, and he was the star of Fortress of Solitude. So I was just telling him how, like, over the moon I am for that cast recording. And, you know, we were talking about it. It's a really special show um, by Michael Friedman based on the book, and it's, um, you know, Ghostlight Shikaboom put out the album. It's an amazing album. I would recommend it to everyone. That's so great. Oh, my gosh. Who is your celebrity best friend? Am I allowed to ask that? I don't know if I am. <laughs> like, celebrity, like, dream best friend? <laughs> let's, yeah, let's do that. I didn't even think about that question. Well, I, that's funny. I mean, I worship, um... Elizabeth Moss, because, you know, Peggy Olsen from Mad Men is, like, my spirit animal, and it's my favorite TV show, so she's, like, I've never actually gotten to meet her, and it's my dream to, like, meet her and get to tell her how much that show and her role meant to me at some point, um, but, you know, that's kind of, like, who knows if that'll ever happen. It's really amazing to, like, actually have friends who are, like, realizing their dreams and doing what they love, and you get to go cheer them on on Broadway. So I think, like, everyone I know is turning into my celebrity friend because I'm so proud of so many people that are doing great stuff. Um, It's really, like, it feels like, you know, for me, like, I've been in the business for, like, officially for, like, seven years, and it feels like it's never been as much as it is now of people that I've come up with really getting to, like, achieve their, their goals. And so hopefully that just gets to be more and more the case as the years go on. It must be so cool to, I'm assuming you probably attend the Tonys or watch it at home or with your family or whatnot, and then to watch the Christmas Day Parade on uh, ABC and the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and CBS. It must be so fun to, and I'm getting to that point as well, to watch these things and go, oh my gosh, there's my friend. I had no idea they were on. And it's just so cool to now be in this place where you really truly do have friends in the show and you do have friends that are on these parades and press circuits and things like that that must be so fun for you absolutely it's such a joy to like see other people kind of realizing their dreams it just really is like thrilling and um you know especially like getting to kind of see it on tv because the tv thing is exciting because i watched the tonys religiously obviously growing up and the thanksgiving day parade and every time broadway was on rosie o'donnell and you know it was so exciting to get broadway like beamed into my living room in florida and so to see friends kind of get to do those things it gives me that whole perspective of like oh some kid is watching this in their room and and is really excited by you know jr Stein johnson's one of my good friends from college and getting to watch him do all that stuff and like you know 
I've come up with him in this world and like to kind of imagine that someone's watching him the way I used to watch, you know, whoever, like Sutton Foster on all of these talk shows. Like it's so exciting and full circle and rewarding and it's just so fun to like see your friends on TV doing what they love. Um, I don't think that'll ever get old either. Oh my goodness. Well, Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for chatting with us and sharing your knowledge with us. Can you plug your books one more time? Because I want everybody to go on Amazon and eBay and all of these. But don't go on eBay because then the artist doesn't get paid. Go on Amazon. Go on uh, Barnes & Noble. All of those great places and find these books. What are the titles? Let's get them. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, they're called The Untold Stories of Broadway, um, Volumes 1 and 2. Each book takes eight Broadway theaters and gives you, like, a behind-the-scenes look at everyone who's worked in them and the secrets of the theaters themselves. So uh, they're available on Amazon. They're available at all of the, like, Broadway stores that are around New York. They're available um, at dresscirclepublishing.com. Uh, along with Seth Rudetsky's book, we have the same publisher, and I love his books, so that's fun. Um, and go get them. They're, they're good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that they are, and I'm so excited to get them. I can't wait to read them. Thankfully, I travel a lot, so I have time to not drive and just read things. So that's so awesome. Cool. Oh, they're also on, you know, Kindle. They're digital, too. Yes! Even better. I love me some iPad action, so I'm doing it. That's awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much. The next time anybody is at 54 Below, look and see if you can find Jennifer. Um, tweet at her, because that's how I score this interview. Thank social media. At Jennifer, at, what is it? Jennifer Tepper? It's uh, at Jen Ashtap. Jen Ashtap. Please go tweet at her. <laughs> ask questions. If she has time, she'll answer them. If she doesn't, just keep tweeting. I can't thank you enough for being with us. We appreciate you and thank you for all that you're doing in this industry. We're excited to see what's next for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all of this. It's lovely to be a part of. Well, thank you. And hopefully the next time we're in the city together or at 54 Below, our ships won't pass in the night. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Well, knock on wood. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. My thanks to Jennifer Tepper for joining us today. I so appreciate it. Um, if you want to go on the Twitter or anything else and look her up, it's Jen Ash Tep. It's A-S-H, in case you were curious. Also, get on Amazon. Get on, um, oh gosh, Kindle. Uh, oh gosh, Playbill.com. All these great places. Please, please, please go get this book. It's in the digital version. It's in the hard copy version. If you're in New York, stop by one of the Broadway stores. Um, and grab them in downtown Manhattan Times Square. Really, they're treasures, and she's put a lot of hard work into them, and they're really, really, really fantastic. Get them, love them, enjoy them, find her on Twitter, support her, and go see a show at 54 Below. Thanks, everybody, and we will speak with you the next time we speak with you. Bye.